Oh, good morning. Just want to check the sound is okay. Great. So I still can't quite believe I'm here. We're here. I'm looking out at all of you and wow, we're here. This is amazing. Still part of me thinks I'll wake up and go, I had the most amazing dream last night. We were all on retreat at IMS for six weeks, three months. Perhaps it's because I come from the other side of the world. It feels like uh, such a rare opportunity, precious opportunity to be here. So I was just sitting with that wave of gladness and happiness. So just before we move into the practice instructions, the meditation, a few little tweaks, refinements to our living together and community. We're still forming this new uh, container together. And just in terms of etiquette here in the hall, the invitation is to, if you're coming to the scheduled sittings, to really arrive on time and stay to the end, unless there's some kind of emergency. So, for example, you have a practice meeting during the session, then please don't come here into the hall. You can sit up in M200 or anywhere else. We're just trying to minimize the amount of traffic in and out of the hall to support each other. This is one way we can support the steadying and the stillness of our practice. Another way we can do that is just by taking care of our eye contact. We mentioned this in the practicing community meeting. One of the ways we can support each other to go more deeply inwards is to what we call guard the sense doors. So that means just keeping our eyes down, noticing when our attention might be starting to leak out, we're looking around or we're going after sounds or getting engaged in the senses in a way that potentially can have an effect on other people. And in saying all this, we want to hold it lightly and with care. If you accidentally make eye contact, that's totally fine. You don't want to be walking around anxious, but just to give each other space and notice if the attention is starting to go outwards and just gently bring it back in. Also, community support today, we're going to do day four testing for the P2 people. There'll be a note on the board, the details of that. But just in summary, after lunch, between 1 and 1.45, there'll be three 15-minute sessions of testing divided by your last name. And there'll be a list on the board, so please look out for that really helpful if you can show up for your allotted time because if the staff have to come and find you then that delays the whole process of us all knowing if when masks can become optional there are one or two people who have come in late so they will continue to wear their masks for the appropriate days and as someone mentioned the other day if you have any kind of respiratory system uh, symptoms really good to keep wearing your mask One other thing, the uh, practice meetings, for those of you coming in for part two, the rhythm of these is slightly uneven. So sometimes it's every two days, sometimes it's every three days, not regular. So please check the board at least every second day so you don't miss your meeting. Then lastly, there was a question about the eight precepts. We're going to be chanting... um, 
all eight precepts together, uh, the five for everyone, and then the optional three for those who wish. We'll be doing that once a week on the Uposita days. The next one of those will be tomorrow morning. So those of you who want to formally take the eight precepts can join in the chanting then. It's totally fine if you've already started taking them. And just to be clear, the sixth one is about about not eating food at inappropriate times. Here that basically means not taking more food after the midday meal has finished. So not taking any soup or anything else. There will be fruit and hard candies on the back table that are, quote, allowable just for the people who are taking eight precepts. And it's fine to experiment with that. If you sign up, you don't have to have committed to the entire rest of the retreat. You can try it if it doesn't feel supportive. You can cross your name off the list, or you can go back on the list at any time. Okay, so I think that's it for practicalities. Yep. Okay, so just a moment to transition into some practice now. So over the course of the retreat so far, our instructions, they've been centered around mostly the first establishment of mindfulness, which is mindfulness of the body. Now, just because that's been the theme of the instructions, that doesn't mean that all the other aspects of our experience have conveniently gotten out of the way. I'm guessing most of you have also had a lot going on in the heart, in the mind, alongside the body. So this morning we're going to expand the instructions and we're going to begin working with the experience of emotions. And we're starting with emotions because in some ways they're a kind of a bridge between first establishment, mindfulness of the body, and third establishment, mindfulness of the mind. Most emotions are experiences a mix, a mix of physical sensations and mental reactions. So they have both a bodily and a mental aspect. Just as an example, emotion of anger. Pretty common that shows up as tension or contraction somewhere in the body. Maybe tightness in the jaw, heat in the face, clenching of the fists, or stiffening across the chest. And then in the mind, with anger, there's often kind of buzzing thoughts, loud thoughts, often they're tight around a sense of me. So just in that simple description of anger, you might have noticed I separated out the experience of being angry into two aspects, the physical and the associated thoughts. Just doing that is a key strategy for practicing with emotions. For people who don't have any mindfulness training, the tendency is just to say, oh, I'm so angry, and keep telling ourselves, I'm so angry, and then we stew in that experience for hours, days, even longer. But the instructions in the Satipatthana Sutta, the Buddha, really, he was a master of deconstruction deconstructing our experience. So he invited us to pay careful attention not to the story, 
the narrative, the views, the opinions, all that mental reactivity that justifies and reinforces the emotion. Instead, being curious about the direct experience of it in the body and the direct experience of it in the mind. Just knowing the thoughts without feeding them, without suppressing them. So in some ways this is similar to the practice that Brian described yesterday morning in relation to working with physical pain. We can bring that same quality of kind curiosity to knowing an emotion, just as we might to knowing discomfort or pain in the body. Now, of course, there are also emotions that are pleasant and skillful, and I'll be saying a little more about those later. For now, I'm focusing mostly on unpleasant emotions because these tend to be the ones we get most reactive to and to take most personally. So for most of us, it's quite a training to learn how to work with these emotions skillfully. And there's a practice acronym that probably many of you are familiar with that's specifically for working with difficult emotions. And I think most of you probably know it, but I'll just run quickly through it now. It's the acronym RAIN, R-A-I-N. It was first devised by Michelle MacDonald and then popularized by other teachers. So the first letter R stands for recognize. It sounds simple, not always so easy. So the tool of mental noting that Rebecca mentioned last night can be very helpful. And again, not so easy. Perhaps, you know, in our dominant culture, we tend to value the intellect and to ignore, even to dismiss our emotional life. And so, at least for me, and I think many of the people I've worked with, just being able to name or note what an emotion is, is a skill training. It's a, we call it emotional literacy. And so again, in my own experience, when I was first starting to do this, it would feel a bit like throwing darts at a dartboard. And I would sort of wildly miss the target at first. And I'd have to just keep throwing out words, and then eventually one would stick. So for example, I'd be aware, oh, something unpleasant in here. What is it? I just name, oh, unpleasant, unpleasant. And then I'd start throwing out words. Sadness? More as a question. No, sadness, not quite. There's a feeling of kind of separateness, disconnection, loneliness. Ah, yes, loneliness, bullseye. It's loneliness. Okay, loneliness is like this. So as you know, emotions can be quite complex. They often have different layers to them, and they can shift and change as we start getting closer to them. So it's almost like we have to audition a few different words before we find the right one. If you can't quite recognize what it is, don't struggle with it. It's important not to get caught in overanalyzing. Is this sorrow? Is it sadness? Is it grief? Is it depression? Does depression count as an emotion? If that happens, we're getting a little into the terrain of proliferation. 
and we're losing contact with the immediacy of the experience. So if you're starting to get caught up in the head, just note something. Something is going on. Even the note something is creating a little bit more space, a little more objectivity in relation to the emotion. It might sound counterintuitive, but the part of the mind that does the labeling is not the part that experiences the emotion. And we can use that to our advantage because every time we use a mental note, just for that moment, we're not lost in the emotion. And so the more we do this, it's kind of perforating the cloud of the emotion, helping it to break up, dissipate, soften the tendency to identify with it. And that brings us to the letter A of RAIN, which is allow or accept. So we try to make space and just let the emotion be there without feeding it, without resisting it, without judging it, without suppressing it. We train in knowing it. It's just another arising experience. In the same way, we might know physical sensations or sounds or breathing. And so the labels we use want to be neutral. I'm trying not to reinforce any judgment about the fact that this emotion is here. As Joseph Goldstein likes to say, from the perspective of mindfulness, it doesn't matter what we're aware of, but that we are aware. So there's no such thing as a wrong or bad experience, a wrong or a bad emotion. We just know it with kind curiosity. So now we come to the letter I of RAIN, which stands for investigation or interest. We try to, rather than push it away, get caught, entangled in it, we get curious. What is this experience of loneliness or anger or boredom or shame? How does it show up in the body? What are the physical sensations that it brings with it? How does it feel in the heart and the mind? Are there particular thoughts or ideas that tend to come with it? Or maybe other emotions that are in a similar flavor. Often there are sort of families of emotions that tend to come together. So we're cultivating that quality of interest. And this supports the last letter of the acronym N, which stands for non-identification. Non-identification. In other words, not taking it personally. Again, much easier said than done. One of the challenges with emotions is often the intensity can pull us into believing we are our emotions. Just noticing in our inner language how often we tell ourselves, oh, I'm so bored, I'm so angry, I'm so lonely, I'm so sad, and so on. And in that language, our whole being collapses into that afflictive emotion. And that usually makes it more intense, makes it stick around for longer. So as an antidote, we try to stay out of the story and come into the physical sensations that are less personal. 
and we try to change the inner language to relatively impersonal language. So instead of just saying, I'm so sad, I'm so sad, beginning to deconstruct it into, okay, a lot of thinking about my ex-partner. Yeah, unpleasant feelings, unpleasant emotion. What is it? What's here? Oh, regret, Mm, regret, regret, remorse, sadness coming up. Oh, okay, sadness, it's like this. There's a hollowness in the chest. Shoulders are slumped. There's prickling behind the eyes. Oh, there's a moment of self-compassion. A little relief, a sense of softening. So in that example, hopefully you're hearing, we're trying to meet even those more challenging patterns with the same kindness and openness and interest that we try to bring to every other aspect of our experience. Just knowing emotions coming and going. Coming and going. So with this letter N, some teachers also use it to stand for nature in the sense that it's natural. It's natural for this heart and mind to experience a whole spectrum of different emotions. It's also the nature of emotions, like everything else, to arise, to stay for a while, and to pass away. And so we don't actually need to get caught up in struggling with them. Eventually, they're going to pass of their own accord. And here is a powerful insight. Because of the truth of impermanence, whatever emotion arises will definitely pass away might not be in the time frame we prefer, but if we can just settle back, make space, allow the emotions to come and go, it will save us so much time and effort. So one image that's often used for this process is the analogy of weather systems passing through the sky. So just as the sky is unaffected by wind, rain, clouds, fog, thunder, lightning, sunshine, it's possible for mindfulness to simply know all of these different emotional weather systems moving through, moving through awareness. We don't get caught in reactivity. We don't hold on to the sunshine metaphorically or push away the storms. And orienting to the truth of impermanence, we can just settle back, let the emotion run its course. And now we get the ice cream, metaphorically. So when the afflictive emotion has passed away, rather than just waiting for the next problem to come up, take some time. Let in the experience of that emotion having passed. So often we don't even register those more subtle and skillful qualities of mind that can come up when the afflictive states have subsided. So once the emotion has moved through, just take a few moments. What's here now? You might find, for example, oh, there's more steadiness or calm, clarity, 
ease, tranquility, spaciousness, contentment, kindness, equanimity, and so on. These are all highly skillful states, and it's good, it's skillful to linger in them, as Tuari mentioned the other night in her talk on right effort. The third and the fourth aspects of right effort are to encourage skillful qualities to arise. And when they have arisen, to help them strengthen and deepen without attachment and without striving. So all of this is a training. And I'd like to offer some practice just to continue developing those skills now. So just transitioning into some practice now. Coming home to the body. Take a few moments just to let the body find a comfortable enough sitting or standing posture. Sometimes I think of this process as like a dog settling down for the night and it kind of wriggles and jiggles around, gets itself comfortable. So just taking a few moments, making some micro adjustments. And then letting the body settle into stillness. Coming home to the body. And establishing that felt sense of the body sitting or the body standing. Establishing that framework of simple knowing there is the body. And the body is breathing. So bringing that same relaxed and spacious awareness Receiving the experience of each in-breath and each out-breath. Again, just that very simple, relaxed knowing. Knowing that you're breathing in and knowing that you're breathing out. Staying steady and present for each in-breath and noticing the slight gap, pause, change as it becomes an out-breath. 
And just fully receiving the out-breath until it subsides into that gap, pause, change. Just one half breath at a time. Knowing you're breathing in, knowing you're breathing out. Knowing the gaps between the breaths. Letting the field of awareness expand beyond just the sensations of breathing to receive sensations anywhere else in the body. Any sensations that naturally call the attention. We can note or know sensations like heaviness or pressure, warmth or coolness. Robbing, tingling, twitching. Just receiving whatever sensations naturally present themselves. And if nothing much seems to be happening, you can stay with a simple knowing of breathing in and breathing out. Just staying settled back, relaxed, receptive, knowing the breath coming and going. Different kinds of sensations in the body coming and going. In the same way, sounds coming and going. Allowing the awareness now to just receive any sounds that naturally come into awareness. Just receiving the experience of hearing. Sounds arising, 
staying for a while, passing away. As the awareness becomes more steady and more refined, you can notice sounds and also the absence of sounds, moments of silence. You're just continuing to receive the experience of hearing. Sounds coming and going. Maybe some moments of silence. So we have the body, breathing, sounds as our home base. And then from that home base, we can widen the field of awareness to include perhaps the experience of emotions. Sometimes when emotions are invited or, in quotes, allowed to be there, they can seem to get stage fright and disappear. That's okay. You don't have to make anything happen. Just taking a moment to tune in and to notice, is there any quality of some kind of emotion It could be pleasant, could be unpleasant, perhaps more in the background as a kind of mood. Just taking a moment to recognize what's here now.
could be more intense, it could be a more subtle meditative state like calm or clarity or concentration. Whatever emotion or mind state naturally draws your attention. Connect with its effect, how it feels in the body, the heart, the mind. If you can name what the emotion is to help you stay present with it, knowing it is simply another arising experience. Whatever seems to be arising right now, just accepting, allowing it to be there. Accept, allow, open to whatever emotions might be here now. And if nothing much is happening, accepting, allowing that experience. Right now it's like this. As you continue just to stay present with whatever's here, not pushing it away, not feeding it, there's space to investigate it more closely. What is this experience? Investigate, bring interest to what's happening. How is this emotion affecting the body? What's the effect on the heart and the mind? Keeping the inner language very simple, and impersonal. Not my irritation, just, oh, irritation is like this. 
gratitude is like this. Not taking ownership with it, not identifying with it. Not taking it personally. Just allowing the emotion to arise, stay for a while, pass away. This is the nature of emotions. They come and go of their own accord. Just like weather systems passing through the vast sky. Rain or wind or storms, fog or sunshine. In the same way, emotions arise and pass away. Emotions and moods and mind states simply float through awareness. Like weather systems passing through the sky. The sky of awareness is unaffected by whatever passes through it. Just like the weather emotions change, pass away. If at some point you recognize an emotion system has passed away, Take a few moments to notice that. What's it like now in the body, heart and mind? After the intensity of an emotion has subsided, you might notice maybe more subtle experiences. Qualities of calm or quiet. Relief. Release. Steadiness. Clarity, spaciousness, equanimity, just continuing like this to tune in to whatever's present in your experience. 
recognizing, allowing, investigating, not identifying, knowing its nature. Just allowing whatever experiences arise to simply come and go. As we settle more fully into the silence for a few minutes now.
whatever your day of practice brings. I hope you can find some appreciation for the opportunity to be here and some appreciation for your own strengths and good qualities. Enjoy your day. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.